You couldn't see anything. You couldn't see the, the sun. You couldn't see the, the light of the stars or the moon. There was no such thing as a candle. There was no such thing as a light bulb or an LED. Your phone <laughs> doesn't have a flashlight. No light at all. I think for all of us, as we just kind of imagine that for a minute, it would be radically strange and different from what our current life is like. Without the light, we could not see. Without light, we would not be able to find food. Without light, food wouldn't even grow. We wouldn't be able to see our enemies. Life would be incredibly depressing if we didn't have light. There's one type of blindness that's called NLP, which is no light perception, where people are totally blind to light, which light is actually what allows us to see. Now, there's many other kinds of blindness that allow us to still see figures, but this NLP is no light at all. You see, Jesus has come into the world to bring light. And as we begin our journey towards Christmas, we just are going to pause and reflect on the light that is in this world. The light that allows you to function and move and be a person and just enjoy the world that we have. But more than that, because light as we know it, as this bright thing that shines and lights us all up, is, is good and well for nature. It's good and well for our well-being. But there's another kind of light and darkness that the Scriptures talk about. And that darkness is inside of our hearts. There's a darkness that comes upon every human in our inability to discern right from wrong. It's a darkness that clouds our conscience so that we can't choose right from wrong. Now some of us, when we find ourselves in these situations where we need to make decisions, we just make decisions based on what we think is right. Not necessarily what is right in the eyes of God. And part of the reason for that is because our conscience doesn't have light in it. Our conscience is seared because of sin. And we actually can't tell right from wrong, light from darkness. And in case you were wondering, you were all of us, you, myself, all of us, at one time in our life, we were like that. We had no ability inside of us to actually discern, to make this conscious decision of what was right and what was wrong. Now, I, I can hear what you're probably thinking right now. Well, you no, know, Chris, I know what is right and wrong. No, you don't. You see, what has happened to, in your life is that over time, your conscience has been molded and, and 
crafted by your parents, by your society, by your life, by different things that, the different experiences that have come across your path. All of those things have molded your conscience to help you know what is right and wrong. And that's how people have a conscience who are void of God. But something happens when we give our lives over to Jesus and we go to Him and put our trust in Him. Jesus steps in as a light in your conscience. And the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you and all of a sudden now, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and your conscience is now being twigged. It is being molded and shaped by God Himself, the very light that shows right from wrong. And this truth that I'm talking about, about how Jesus said to us in John, I am the light of the world, is who Jesus is. And we need that light in our lives this Christmas if we're really going to understand the Christmas story. There's a number of scriptures we're going to look at this morning as we uh, journey through understanding that Jesus is the light in your life. There's no other light that you actually have about knowing what direction to go that's really qualified you to make decisions other than the light of Jesus. All of our other uh, abilities whether it's our upbringing or our experiences, all of those things are not the light of God. On the night that Jesus was born, there was a light that shone. Now immediately you might be thinking, well, I know what that light is. I know you're talking about the star that the wise men followed. No, I'm not talking about that light. Well, then you're talking about the great light that appeared around the angels when the angels were talking to the shepherds. No, I'm not talking about that light either. I'm talking about a light that shone into the hearts of the world. Let's uh, look at some of these passages as we just unpack this truth that Jesus is the light of the world. You see, in the Bible, we are actually told about how darkness affects our ability to see and understand God. In fact, for many people, cultures and nations, they've historically lived in darkness. And, and here's the thing, we're looking around, it's light outside, how can we be living in darkness? Today, the nation of Canada is in utter darkness. Okay? Do not think for one minute that just because there is this natural light that's outside, that this world that we're living in is still full of light. In fact, the darkness that is in our nation as Canada today, where our ability to know God is very, very dismal. And in fact, the God of this world who is Satan has blinded with darkness, the eyes of people so that they could actually see the hope 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's the truth, and here's the truth of Christmas, is that Jesus, God, is bigger than darkness. And He broke into the world, into this darkness at Christmas time with Jesus being the Christmas miracle of light. So over in Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture that talks, it's a prophecy about who Jesus is and who this new baby being born into the world is. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the prophet Isaiah records this for us. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Obviously, as the prophet Isaiah is, is saying this, he's speaking metaphorically because the sun and the moon and the stars were very evident there. So he's speaking metaphorically about the darkness that was on the hearts of people. The darkness that was on your heart at one time. The darkness that was on my heart at one time. And into that darkness, God shone. You see, I think for some of us, this idea that we walk in darkness, (laughs) where our decision-making is void of knowing what is right and wrong based on God's perspective, eludes us. We don't think about that. And in fact, this idea that there, there is a light that we can't see that is meant to guide us through our life is maybe far-reaching for some of us as we think about this. But Isaiah prophesied that day, that moment, about the birth of Jesus and how the government will rest upon His shoulders and He will be this everlasting God, this mighty Counselor, this Prince of Peace. It's the same passage. Christ's birth brought light into the world for those people who walk in darkness. Even a deep darkness. And deep darkness is this place where you really can't tell right from wrong. And here's what's happening in our world today. The darkness is so dark that people that are walking around in the dark are calling darkness light. And I don't need to tell you how that's playing out, do I? Because things that we knew one or two generations ago, and not just here in Canada, but all over the place, things that we knew, well, that was just wrong, are happening. We can, we, can, we can talk about sexuality. We can talk about how people relate to one another. We can talk about work ethic. We can talk about every area of our life, how people do business today. Well, this is how we do it now. Well, we just know that you have to bribe somebody to get anything done. You see, the darkness that we walk in gets to this point when it's deep darkness that we don't even know and we think that it's light. And that's where our world is. And here's the thing. That's why it's actually so hard to share the good news of Jesus with people. Because the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers lest they would see the hope and the light of the gospel. 
You see, Jesus brought light into the world so that we would actually understand right from wrong. Having a conscience. Not be seared. And at Christmas time, we're actually reminded that without light, we would all be walking in darkness. And just think for a minute what a world of darkness would be like. It would be like the days of Noah. It would be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. People just didn't know. It would be like the days of Jeremiah, where people just did what was right in their own eyes, and that was the children of Israel. You see, the only way that you and I can navigate this world is by knowing and understanding the real true light, which is Jesus. You see, Christ's birth brought light. And I'm not talking about this light that is the sun or the moon or the stars or light bulbs. I'm talking about the light that came into the world so that you, as a Gentile, could see God. And Christ brought that light into the world so you could see Him. So that you and I could see our need of a Savior. You see, unless the light of God is shined into your hearts, you're not going to even know that you need a Savior. Now here's, here's something really encouraging for you. If you actually know that you need a Savior, if you know that you are broken and that your sin has separated you from God and that you need a Savior because you understand the fact that Jesus is coming back again to judge the living and the dead, if you understand that, then the light of Jesus has shone in your heart. So the next question becomes, if He's begun to shine in my heart, how much is He shining in my life? Because here's the thing. The world is looking for this light. This light that broke into the world on Christmas Eve through this form of this baby Jesus. Well, we know the Christmas story, at least we should know the Christmas story, where the Old Testament tells us about the coming of Christ in this form of a baby. And then we come forward thousands of years and we get to this point where we see Mary and Joseph and Mary becomes pregnant through a miracle through the Holy Spirit. The baby Jesus is born. We know the story about Christmas and the, the shepherds and the angels and all of that. We're going to talk more about that as we get closer to Christmas Eve. But did you know that after Mary and Joseph leave the stable, they're in Bethlehem, and the custom was to take a newborn child to the temple and to dedicate that temple. So that happened eight days after Jesus was born. Mary and Joseph go into the temple to dedicate baby Jesus. And we have this picture in Luke chapter 2 of this man named Simeon. And as Mary and Joseph come into the temple, this guy by the name of Simeon, he's a a great, beloved follower of God. 
he stays in the temple all the time and he worships God and he basically, uh, what we would call today is this kind of radical Christian follower of Jesus who just dedicated his life to worshiping God. And when he sees this baby Jesus in the arms of Mary and Joseph, God speaks to him. And he says these things over in Luke chapter 2. If you want to turn there with me, we'll see what he says about baby Jesus. Because, again, we see this picture of Jesus being this light of the world. So as Jesus was in the the temple with His mother and His father, down in Luke 2.31, we're told of this hymn that this guy Simon says in verse 28, he says, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. You may not think about this, but Christ birth opened a door for you. Previous to the birth of Jesus, the Messiah coming into the world, you as being a Gentile, not of Jewish descent, I'm not of Jewish descent, I don't have a Jewish bone in my body, and most of us in this room are in this same category. We are Gentiles. God first revealed Himself to Abraham. Abraham was the father of many nations. Abraham, from his seed, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his 12 sons, all of the tribes of Israel, all of that peace, God revealed Himself to a people. And they were His people. They were His. They were His family. Those people that were outside of God's family, you were an outsider. You were considered to not be able to partake of the blessings that were there for the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Now, God actually in His goodness and His grace made ways in the Old Covenant where you could get in to the blessings that God had for His people. And by doing so, you had to do exactly the same things that the Jews would do. And that would be to renounce your gentility, to be circumcised and be committed to following the law and participating in all of the things that the Jews were doing. And God called those people, they were not His people, but they were like servants, or bond servants is the actual word that is used in the Old Testament. They were bond servants, and they were grafted in, so to speak, to God's family. But they were never God's direct family. But something changed when Jesus was born. 
the early apostles and the disciples, they had to radically change and shift the way that they thought about what God was doing in the world. Because all of a sudden, what we see in the book of Acts is that we see that the Gentiles, for the first time, are receiving the Holy Spirit. And they're radically affected by this. And in fact, Paul's ministry... He goes to the Jews first and he says, oh wait, they don't really want to follow me, so I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And we see Paul and Barnabas through the book of Acts start this ministry that you and I are beneficiaries of today. You see, Christ's birth opened a door for you as a Gentile. And when we look at what God's plan is for all of eternity, He's got this mystery about Israel. He's still going to save His chosen people. Now that doesn't mean that all of the people that are called Israel, that are Jewish, are going to be saved and sanctified and set apart for God in heaven. God always has His remnant. But what it does mean that God still cares about that covenant, that promise that He made. But he also cares about the Gentiles, about you and I. And if Christ had not come into the world, there would be no way, hear this, there would be no way for you to experience the goodness of God outside of Christ's birth. And I think when we talk about this Christmas story, this is not like that, that kind of theology, that's not on the tip of our tongue. But that's exactly what was happening when Christ was born. A light shone in this world into the darkness that had never shone before. At that moment, a door opened to the Gentiles for you and I that was not there. It was not accessible anymore. And then all of a sudden, this light shone and that door opened. And that's the significance of Christmas. You know, we're not following some myth or some strange thing. We're actually following God's plan of redemption for the whole world. And let us never take for granted the things that we have. Don't take for granted this Christmas season that a light has actually shone in your heart and you know the difference between right and wrong. And don't be surprised when you look around and you're like, well, these other people are not doing this. Don't get sucked into the darkness that's around you because the darkness around you is not what God has called you to. And be so thankful for this light that shone to open a door for you to be able to to understand and to be a part of God's family. Here's another thing that Christ's birth has done for each of us is that Christ's birth leads us out of darkness. You see, the whole point of Jesus coming into the world to to shine in the midst of darkness, to open a door for the Gentiles was so that you and I, those that can see the light, would be led out of darkness. As we look to the Scriptures, we see 
In John chapter 8, Jesus giving this teaching and the apostles are writing this down. And, and you know, I'm sure for all of them, they're, they're just not fully getting it at the time. But in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is, is says to them, He says to His disciples, I am the light of the world. And you remember, you got to realize, they're like kind of looking around going, what are you talking about? There's no shining coming out of you. But Jesus is talking about Him lighting the path of the conscience. He goes on to say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We understand that Jesus is the light of the world where He's guiding all tribes, all languages. This current age that we are living in is the age of the church where the Gentiles are able to be participants in what God has called salvation. And for people around the world to hear this message of God's love and forgiveness. Jesus is this light of the world. And He asks us to follow Him. And by doing so, we won't walk in darkness. There's a real challenge for us today as the church. As the world around us gets darker and darker in conscience, your conscience and my conscience is tempted to become dark as well. Things that were maybe a few generations ago or a hundred years ago were considered definitely wrong are now considered okay. Just normal. We come up with new words for things all the time to explain things because we want to explain them. And if you caught the news this week, CBC came out with all of these new words that we can't say anymore. Some of them I've already said this morning. This conscience that our world has is dark. Those that follow Jesus walk in light. Meaning, we don't walk in darkness. And we know the difference between the two. So let me ask you this question. Is the darkness of this world enveloping your heart and your mind to the point where you don't know what is light and what is darkness? You see, that's really the challenge for us this Christmas. When we think about Jesus as the light of the world coming into the light to light up this world so that we could actually know right from wrong, so that we could understand Jesus, that we could see God, that we could see His holiness. His holiness is the radiance. Sorry, His glory is the radiance of His holiness that shines. We're told in Revelation that there will be no sun, no moon in the new heavens and the new earth. Why? Because God Himself will shine and light everything. You see, we have to be this light. We have to be living in this light. And there's so many Scripture verses. The disciples spoke so much about this. He said, when we walk in the light as He is in the light, in First John, we have fellowship with God and with one another. If you're struggling with fellowship, maybe you're not walking in the light. 
There's so, so many other things where God has, we see it in, in Colossians. We're going to look at it as we go to the table where we see in Colossians chapter 1 that we've been transferred. We've been moved from this kingdom of darkness to this kingdom of light. God has done this. We're not called to be in the dark. We're called to be in the light. Is your life full of light? You see, Jesus promised us, as He said in John chapter 8, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness. So if we're following Jesus, we're not going to go in darkness. We're not going to be tempted down this path of darkness where things that are wrong are really wrong. And we know that. doesn't matter what we're talking about. But more than that, we will actually have, it says, Jesus says, but we'll have the light of life. Think about that for a minute. The light of life. Now, it would be really cool if we just turned into like this supercharged flashlight. That'd be really cool. But that really doesn't happen. But that's exactly what this is. You and I have light that people who walk in darkness don't have. And if we have that light, then that light should exude from us. So this is what that means. It means that when we are in difficult situations, we have wisdom because we have the light of life. When we're in a situation where people need to be cared for, when... We just need to encourage somebody because they need to be encouraged. That light of life shows up. When we are trusting God for what He's doing, putting our faith in Him in difficult times, the light of life shows up. And people who are in darkness come to that some of the time. Not all the time. In fact, we're told in John, in John chapter 3 of the Gospels, when Jesus is saying that whoever uh, believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life, and the disciples are being taught about this, and Jesus, Jesus is like, you know what? There's a darkness that's in this world, and people love darkness instead of the light. And there will be people And this is how we know it's so dark. Because there are people that see the light that you have from Christ and run deeper into the darkness because they don't like the light. And yes, this is all metaphorically speaking to the impact that God is here in this world. Christ's birth leads us out of darkness to this place where we understand what God is doing, where we're walking in the light. And maybe for some of us, that means we have to stop loving the darkness. Because the darkness is everywhere. The darkness about how to be godly. 
And, and, and you know what's even more radical is that the darkness is crept into the church. The church itself is, is not this shining light that it used to be. And it doesn't really matter whether we're talking Canada or other places around the world. There's a darkness that's enveloping our world. That's why churches are closing. That's why churches aren't doing the same things that they used to do. Because the darkness is hovering over the church, wanting it to become dark as well. And what the crazy thing about our world is, when we look back in history, it got dark in the church a lot. Part of the problem uh, that happened in the 15th century was that the church was so dark it needed a reformation. One of the problems that happened in the 18th and 19th century is the church was so dark it needed a revival. It set the stage for God having to break in again because of the darkness that had crept into the church. This Christmas, don't let the darkness of this world creep into your celebrations of Jesus' birth. Don't let the darkness of this world sink in to your decision making. Because Jesus, His birth, what it's all about is that there was darkness, deep darkness, and God's light broke into that darkness. And as followers of Jesus, those who have been told that Jesus is the light of the world, we are called to walk in that light and to be that light and to shine that light wherever we go. And yes, that means that some people are going to not like you. They're going to be repelled by you. They're going to love darkness more. But there is going to be some people, there's something knocking on the door of their heart that says, I want some of that light because of who God is. And that is what Christ's birth at Christmas has done for you and done for me. So let's take this light of the world, this Jesus that has shone so greatly into the darkness to our families this Christmas season, to our neighbors, to the people around us as we live for Him because the light has come. Not a light of the sun or the stars or light bulbs or LEDs, but a light to the conscience. A light where we have been transferred from this kingdom of darkness to this kingdom of light. One of the amazing things about Christmas time is that we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus and His incarnation and coming into the world, but we also get to celebrate His death and resurrection at the same time. And here, when we look at the, the beginning of the story with Jesus coming into the world and shining as a light, and the end of the story with His resurrection from the dead, we're encouraged to know that light truly has shone in the midst of the darkness. And one of the things as we look to 
Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read that passage as we gather around the table because it is so important for us to see what Christ's work on the cross has done for us as we look to Him. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae and he's talking to them about how he's been praying for them. And he reminds them, and we need to be reminded of this today in this Christmas. This, today's message is really all about this. It says in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 1, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, gathering around the table, remembering Christ's death and resurrection, His body that was broken for us, His blood that was shed for us, that's for the forgiveness of sins. His body was broken for us so that we could be redeemed. And in this redeeming, He's moved us from one place to another. So as before I pray for the elements, let's just take a moment and reflect on what Christ has done for you. That He's opened your eyes to see Him. That He has moved you from this place of darkness to this place of light. Because you've placed your faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus. And if you've never, if you've never accepted the message of Jesus and, and, and you believe the Christmas story, but you've never really confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't wait another moment. Don't do it right now. Just say, Jesus, I trust you. I believe you. I put my faith in you for salvation. I trust that you are the light of the world and I know the darkness that's there in me and in the world. And God, God does, and this is what's so cool, you get moved from this place, this domain of darkness to this place of light. So let's pray for the elements as we come to the table. Dear God, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy how you have shone this great light into the world through the birth of Jesus, the Savior. How you've opened this door for us as Gentiles to come in to your family. But even more than that, God, you've called us to walk in the light. Lord, I pray this Christmas season as we remember that Jesus is the light of the world, that we would embrace the light that we would turn away from darkness, that we would totally engage in fellowship with You so that we could be this light of the world. And Lord, I know that the darkness of this world is creeping in all around us to suffocate Your church. But God, I pray that your church would shine brighter and brighter and brighter as that day approaches. And Lord, that you would help each of us to remember to walk in the light and not succumb to the temptation of darkness that is in this world.
And God, we thank you for the reminder that we have that's so visual, so vivid in, in the cup and the bread that reminds us of your death and resurrection, this, this translating, this moving, this changing of locations you've done for us. And how we now see when we didn't see before. So God, we give you thanks for your body that was broken for us and the cup that represents your blood that was shed for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Please take the wafer. And Jesus, on that night when he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said to his disciples, this is the blood of my new covenant with you. Take this and do this often in remembrance of me. Let us drink together. Thank you, Jesus, for the light that you have shone into our lives this year and help us to walk in this life. Amen. Amen.